This afternoon, congregation, I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 31 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 31. And there we confess the following from God's word. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? The preaching of the Holy Gospel and church discipline. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is open to believers and closed to unbelievers. How is the kingdom of heaven open and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is open when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits as often as they by true faith accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rests on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and in the life to come. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. If they do not give up their errors or wickedness, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. If they do not heed also their admonitions, they are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are excluded by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and show real amendment. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls also loved by the Lord. Nowadays, you want to get into your computer, you need a password, at least if you're protecting your computer. You make it password accessible only. When it's turned on, you, you have to know the password in order to log on. If you do internet banking too, you know you need a password to be able to access your account. Well, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they have the right password either. Jesus Christ, he opened the way into that kingdom with his blood. We could say his name is the password into the kingdom of heaven. And it's so important to know that password off by heart, to have that, to have that password in your heart. And that's because there's a war here between the kingdom of Satan and God's kingdom. An intense and serious war, and it involves eternal life or eternal death. Your life depends on access to the kingdom of God. It depends on knowing that password, Jesus Christ, in your heart. In Lord's Day 31, we confess two keys which open and close the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Preaching of the gospel and church discipline. Both those keys involve that one password, Jesus Christ. That one gateway, we could say. Jesus Christ, word 
and discipline given to impress that one name on the hearts of people so that they can enter the kingdom and that kingdom can grow to fullness. And I proclaim to you the word of God, which we confess in Lord's Day 31 with this theme, then the keys of the kingdom of heaven bring about growth. We see three things, growth of that kingdom itself, growth by means of the preaching of the gospel, and in the third place, growth by means of Christian discipline. Growth of the kingdom of heaven itself. In, in the beginning, God's one kingdom uh, consisted of two provinces. Province of, of heaven and that of earth. He created that one. And those two provinces were pretty close to each other. Man lived on earth and God was nearby. He walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You could say that God had then already given them the key to the kingdom of heaven. The key of loving faith of trust in him and therefore God had planted that one tree in the garden that forbidden Adam and Eve to eat of that one tree. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And see, by means of that, he could, yeah, Adam and Eve could positively show their love for God, their trust in him by simply obeying his command, not eating from that one tree. That tree, we could, stay, we could say, stood there as, as the gospel of God's kingdom for, for Adam and Eve. If they just walked around it every time and didn't take from it, there would be life for them in the kingdom when God's kingdom became one, when earth and heaven became one kingdom for God. If they ate from it, then there was only death and darkness in the kingdom of the evil one. But then, as you know, the devil came and sowed doubt in their hearts, unbelief. They ate from that one tree in that garden full of trees, from that one single one that was forbidden them. And thus they became citizens of the kingdom of the devil in themselves. God's kingdom was split. Man wrecked his life with God. And so in this province here of the kingdom on earth, God put a lock on the gate of paradise. You could say cherubim blocked and guarded the way to the tree of life. Instead of loving trust in the hearts of people, there was by nature now sin, envy, hatred, and that all hindered them from entering God's kingdom. It forced them to remain in the kingdom of the evil one. But the wonderful thing is that God didn't give up on his original purpose to bring his kingdom to fullness. He promised salvation for that purpose, a Messiah, right from the beginning. God came to live among his people again, even though it was in a very limited way at first. Among the Israelites, he lived in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. 
later in the temple in Jerusalem. There was a bit of the, the kingdom of heaven here too. He was establishing it here. God lived there behind the curtain. And that whole room in the temple and that curtain showed that this was God's purpose. The walls and the curtains were covered with cherubim and flowers and fruit. God was there among all kinds of symbolism of the growth of his kingdom, which would include heaven and earth together again. Once a year, the high priest was allowed to step behind that curtain into the Holy of Holies and then only with the blood of atonement. Only with that blood could he enter that holy place where God sat enthroned above the cherubim. And that blood represented, of course, the mediator's blood that, that showed the gateway into that kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ. He completely fulfilled that requirement of loving faith which God had already given to man in the Garden of Eden, that requirement. Well, Christ fulfilled it by giving his life, his blood for sinners. And the first part of Hebrews 10, which we read together, says that Jesus offered himself up for our sins once for all. Gave himself over to the sword of the cherubim, you could say. Laden with our sins, he fell into that sword, he died, and then the curtain or the veil of the temple tore in half. And the way into God's kingdom, his dwelling, was opened through his death, the death of Christ. The way to, to paradise, the gateway to God's kingdom was open. There was, there's a way to life with God for us. And Christ reigns over all things and is working now at bringing about the fullness of God's kingdom. Heaven and earth together, whoever believes in him then enters that kingdom and so the kingdom grows to fullness. And you see that, that fullness that's coming. You see that, for instance, in Revelation 7. John is shown that great multitude of people from all nations and times, and they were standing there before God's throne. And they're all those people who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. They are there in that fullness. They praise God and the Lamb day and night in the temple. They live with God, and God lives with them. And so sin and, and hardening in that, it breaks the communion with God, and it stops the growth. It hinders the progress of God's kingdom. But repentance of sinners and going to Jesus Christ and accepting his atonement, on the other hand, that restores that communion with God and opens the way into his kingdom, into living with God, and then the kingdom grows. So congregation, Christ has opened the way to God's heavenly kingdom where he reigns as king and that kingdom can grow. He established God's kingdom here on earth in the middle of all kinds of enmity from the kingdom of the devil. The devil's kingdom has, it's wide open. It has welcoming gates, whereas the kingdom of God has a narrow opening. 
Think of how the Lord Jesus described that. Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate, he said, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, and narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Narrow, because it's only Christ and difficult because we have to give up ourselves and seek our life in Him alone. Christ, He alone is the way to the, into the kingdom. He needs to be your all in order to enter that kingdom. You need to embrace the gospel of His salvation in heart and mind. That's the way into the kingdom of heaven. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, he gave the key to that gate to his church. You could say he even laid the sword of the cherubim from the beginning in the hands of his church on earth when he was about to ascend into heaven. When he was on his way to the cross, he asked his disciples who they thought he was, and Peter confessed his faith in Jesus as the Savior. You are the Christ, he says, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And when he says you there, he's talking to all his disciples, his apostles. And in those apostles, then the church has received the keys of the kingdom of heaven on the basis of the teaching of the apostles. That binding and loosing, you realize, had to go with, had to go with the confession of Jesus as the Christ, as your Savior. It had to do with the gospel of Christ and his word and will as taught by the apostles. The church was given the gospel of Jesus Christ to open and to close. So congregation, God requires faith in Christ, in his gospel. And that's why it says in Hebrews 10, 22 and 23, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And therefore the church has the task now to disseminate the gospel of Christ's atonement in proclamation and to apply it in church discipline. Notice that the Lord spoke to Peter and the apostles about keys. I, I give you the keys, plural, of the kingdom of heaven. He's the gateway, the one gateway. His blood, the gospel of his cross, is the only way into the kingdom. The narrow gate. But that gospel is given to the church. And so the church has the calling to proclaim it in word and apply it in church discipline. And so that both are then keys which open and close the way into the kingdom. 
Whoever then tramples the Son of God underfoot and despises the blood of the covenant, as it says in Hebrews, the covenant by which he was sanctified, is excluded from the kingdom. But the kingdom is open and grows to fullness where there is heartfelt faith in Jesus Christ, humble seeking of one's life outside of oneself in Christ alone. We come to the second point of the sermon, growth by means of the preaching of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, do you see the, the preaching of the gospel here as, as the key which gives you entry into the kingdom of God? Do you seek the relationship with Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel and repentance and accepting forgiveness in Christ and thankful living with Christ? Or, or are you looking for preaching here that makes you feel better about yourself? Happier? Happier? Are you, is that what you're looking for? We live in a society and culture which is quite self-centered and I think much of it sees happiness as the, the real goal of, of, of everything, as a goal in itself rather than as a side benefit with uh, Christ. I don't know if you realized it, but March 20th was the United Nations International Day of Happiness. I hope you had a happy face that day. And I, I heard on the radio recently about the 100 Days of Happiness Challenge. I'm not against happiness by any stretch, I'm happy to say. But sadly, many see personal happiness as, as the goal of life itself. And sadly, the more you seek it on its own outside of Christ, then the less real happiness you can grasp. No, the gospel, the gospel of Christ is meant to give joy. But that joy is only in Christ. Not just in feeling good about yourself. Christ is our happiness, even in sorrow. And he is what, what we need to seek in the preaching and what the preaching needs to bring out. So our confession in Lord's Day 31 emphasizes the preaching of the gospel as one of the keys given to the church which opens and closes the doorway of God's kingdom. The preaching of the gospel, of the word. The preaching of the word which calls everyone to see their sins and not to harden themselves, but to accept Christ's sacrifice to humble themselves and let their hearts and lives be cleansed with his blood and spirit. And you realize then, when Christ is preached, you just can't sit here in church and take it or leave it. Take him or leave him. When he is brought here, you, you have to embrace him or you don't receive him at all. Preaching of the Word confronts you with the reality of God's promises in Christ and the need to appropriate those promises yourself. And it also is to present you with the warning about what happens if you reject those promises in Christ. 
in the preaching of the gospel, you personally receive that, that call to enter through the narrow gate, which is Christ, and then also to live as citizen of his kingdom. So the preaching of the gospel here is not an intellectual speech. It's not a, a Bible explanation in itself. It's not a form of entertainment or a performance to whip up some emotions. No, the preaching in Christ's churches is a serious call, a personal call to enter by the difficult road and go through the narrow gate, which is Christ himself. That's how it's a key. Congregation, it's so good if you find Christ as the gateway into the kingdom under the opening of his word. This is how he wants it to work. He has opened the way, the only way into God's glorious kingdom. And under the proclamation of the word in worship, Christ holds his hand out to you and opens that narrow gate for you. He opens it wide for you. And we all need to hear that gospel and have that narrow gate into God's kingdom open for us every Sunday again, in fact. Every Sunday. As we live here in a situation where the kingdom of the evil one is still so widespread. There's so many other voices in us and around us calling us to the wide gate and the broad way to that other kingdom, the, the kingdom of the devil. We all have to deal with temptations and dangers and difficulties and frustrations from day to day. And the devil never rests. He's busy trying to call us to that broad way through that wide gate into his kingdom. Daily. So we need to be under the preaching of the gospel in Christ's church every Sunday again so we don't lose sight of that narrow gate. That's why Hebrews 10 warns us, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, not to neglect the worship services because by means of the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit calls us to examine ourselves every Sunday again, asks us again, how is your relationship with Christ? What is it? How do you live it? And tells us not to get stuck in our sins, but to repent of them, leave them, embrace Christ as our life and hope and source of happiness. Deny ourselves and seek our life in Him alone. And congregation, via that preaching of the gospel every Sunday, then we're pointed through that narrow gate of the kingdom. The, the gate is opened, that gate, which is Christ. And we need, we need to have that open for us again and again, don't we? We need to continually hear the voice of the good shepherd calling us to him into his father's kingdom time and again and then not harden our hearts when we hear his voice either. As it says in Hebrews, you cannot hear his voice in his word and not respond to it one way or the other over time. 
Hearers are either going to grow in love for their Savior through that word, or they're going to harden their hearts against the call more and more and take the broad road. So we need to be careful when we listen that we don't focus on what the preacher did not mention or that we listen for other people while our own hearts don't humbly listen to that call to Christ for ourselves, that personal call. Congregation, Christ is the only doorway, only gate into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And the preaching of the gospel of his salvation and renewal is one of the keys which he gave the church to open the way for us through him. So it's not a speech which you can take or leave from which each can take home what he or she wishes. No, under the proclamation of the word, God himself calls you to step through that gate. It's open for you. Step through it this Sunday again. His voice calls you to embrace Christ. Walk toward the rest, which is only in him. His spirit wants you to grow in Christ as citizen of his kingdom. And he works at the growth of that kingdom of God itself until it becomes full. Growth by means of church discipline was the, was the third point of the sermon. The second key of the third key, the second key of God's kingdom comes to the fore in connection with the Lord's Supper celebration congregation. Baptism means God has promised entry into his kingdom through the blood of Christ. And the Lord's Supper is about appropriating that promise in Christ, making it your own. The Lord's Supper celebration requires us to take time to really examine ourselves and our lives and our hearts every two months. We're confronted with ourselves in a special way, in a different way. The preaching every Sunday is to do that, but every, every couple of months you have, you're confronted with yourself before the Lord's Supper celebration to examine yourself. Do I see, I truly see my sins and my need? Do I really embrace Christ as my only Savior from my sins? Is He my life? And do I want to live as citizen of His kingdom? You see, we're called in that way to examine ourselves, to self-discipline. We're also called to mutual discipline. Our Lord wants us to examine one another's lives too. We can't look into each other's hearts, but what's in the heart comes out in the life. Those who show themselves to be unchristian in godly, unchristian in doctrine or life, are in time to be excluded from the Christian congregation and thus by God Himself from the kingdom of Christ. And this isn't just a matter of then you don't live like we want you to and so we're going to terminate your church membership. No, it's a matter of living out of the gospel of Christ and not for ourselves and making sure that others also live out of that same gospel. 
And if there's an unwillingness to listen to the serious call to repentance, that affects the whole congregation. Sin has captured somebody's heart. And they're being drawn from Christ's kingdom to the kingdom of darkness. Away from that door to this gate, the wide one. The hardening of heart. And then the whole church is affected too. If one part of a body has pain or infection, then the whole body experiences it. It concerns everybody. This is mutual discipline. We live in an individualistic society today, congregation, each to his own. That's the idea then, like a bag of marbles, all cold and hard and unaffected by each other in that bag. But as Church of Christ, we're not a bag of marbles, but we're all connected members of the body of Christ. And His blood streams warmly through all of us. We're all parts of that same body. And we want to keep each other healthy and sound. We want to heal where there is pain and do that by means of admonition and prayer. And if healing doesn't take place, then surgery is needed. Then the swelling has to be removed before, or the infection before it spreads through the whole body. Brothers and sisters, does mutual discipline like that function in this body of Christ? Do we look after each other in that way? Or are we a bag of marbles instead of a body? When did you last talk to somebody about a concern about how they believe or about a weakness or a sin or how they live? The culture today, as we mentioned, is each to his own. If you want to believe that or do that, that's up to you. It doesn't affect me. But that's not how the Bible talks at all. We read, we read from Hebrews 3 and 4 and Hebrews 10. You don't hear that in there at all. The Spirit speaks there about exhorting one another, lest any of you become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And about stirring up one another to love and good works. And about exhorting one another as we see the day of the Lord approaching. What I, what I read in there is we are our brother's keeper. And our brother is our keeper. We're called to hold to one another in love. Because if anyone loses their relationship with Christ... They fall under God's judgment. Congregation, we need, we need one another's exhortation nowadays more than ever, right? We, we seek God's kingdom, but the pull of that other kingdom is so powerful today. We deal with that, that pull every day, as we mentioned. We need to be filled with the Spirit ourselves and fill one another with the Spirit. 
We need spiritual discernment and have to help each other with that. Also to test the spirits. And it's so easy to set a foot on that broad way to that wide gate. To set our hearts on our own ideas or our own pleasure, our own well-being. Center our lives around our possessions instead of on the Lord who promised us life and joy forevermore. The way is hard, it's difficult. It's one of self-denial. But it's the way into the kingdom. And do we exhort one another to be able to discern those things and to take the hard way? Do we spur one another on to love and good deeds that are pleasing to the Lord? When a brother or sister is overtaken in any trespass, it says Galatians 6, you need to do your best to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness and humility. Gentleness and humility. That's because you're a saved sinner too. You're a sinner. You have to keep the purpose of that correction in mind when you speak with someone else, try to correct. Not out of a position of superiority then, I would never do this, but standing beside in love, showing you care about the relationship with Christ. And the goal is that they repent and promise and show real amendment. And it might not be appreciated. It might not be appreciated. But that doesn't take away the calling to do that. And let's not forget, there's a sifting process going on all the time. Matthew 18 shows the way to do that. Church discipline, mutual discipline. It shows increasing, Matthew 18 shows increasing intensity in the conversation. Talk face to face. Keep it small at the beginning. And then if sadly no change takes place, there is no change of heart two or three others come along. And only later will the consistory come into the picture. And eventually when announcements are made, the whole congregation is involved in praying for that person's repentance. So there's a growing intensity. Sometimes you might wonder, is church discipline like that, is it useful today yet? More often than not, those who refuse to repent withdraw from, they withdraw and they simply join another church that doesn't make an issue of what they're doing. We need to keep that, the purpose of church discipline in mind. The church warns a person, if you continue to hold on to that teaching or that sin, then you're going to end up outside of God's kingdom. Then that kingdom the gate is shut to you because you trample the Son of God underfoot and you count the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified a common thing and you insult the Spirit of grace who speaks in the gospel. You hinder the growth of God's kingdom. Congregation, the key of discipline as well as the key of the preaching of the gospel were given by the Lord in love in this world.
given to the church to draw in and keep people in the kingdom of his grace. Both keys seek our repentance, our daily repentance, so that we continually seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. Because he is the only way into the kingdom of God. He is the only way we'll ever be able to see the fullness of God's kingdom. He is the only way we'll be able to see God and the Lamb and dwell with Him forever. Amen.